This episode of Manage Smarter is brought to you by SalesFuel Sales Manager Training. Based on the Sales Manager's Guide to Greatness, it's a 36-lesson on-demand program to upskill your sales manager so they can execute your vision and drive consistent revenue growth. Watch a free lesson and find out more at salesfuel.com SMT. Welcome to the Manage Smarter Podcast with hosts C. Lee Smith and Audrey Strong. We're glad you're here for discussions on new ways to manage smarter, hire, develop, and retain talent, improve results, and propel team performance to new heights. This is the Manage Smarter Podcast. Welcome to Manage Smarter, everyone. We are so glad that you've returned to the show, or if you're new, welcome. Come on in. I'm Audrey Strong. I'm Vice President of Communications here at SalesFuel. I'm C. Lee Smith, the President and CEO of SalesFuel. And, you know, one of the things I'm thinking about uh, today is, like, what if half of everything you believe about management and leadership was wrong, actually damaging your company instead of helping your company or your team. And maybe if that, that is or is not the case or whatever. It's an interesting point to consider. And uh, we've got just a guy to ponder that. We sure do. I'm, I can't wait to talk to John Berghoff. Welcome, sir. How are you this morning? Audrey, so great, Lee. So great to be with both of you. Yeah, thanks for coming. So everyone, John is the co-founder and CEO of Exchange. That's a scientific approach to unlocking collective wisdom. And exponential leadership is a buzz phrase we're going to talk and learn about today. More than 350 global thought leaders, community builders, and industry-leading coaches and consultants. And you used to call them faculty members, right, John? I saw that on the website. We have a faculty, faculty yeah. Yeah. Our leverage in the exchange approach to facilitate transformational group experiences with the clients. You've got uh, clients including BMW, Facebook, NASA, Keller Williams, bringing together large groups to solve problems and accelerate learning and create maybe a whole new direction. And so, John, welcome to the show. And like Lee said, one of your things that you hang your hat on is saying that everything we know about leadership and management might actually be damaging. Let's start there. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think a good way of thinking about it is this. Um, Many of, many of the ideas and lessons that I know I was taught when I was a young manager and leader were based on the idea that I was brought in for my knowledge, for my expertise, and, and then my ability to teach or lead others or help them to succeed one way or another. And um, what's really interesting is a lot of what we believe about managing and leading uh, are paradigms and beliefs that were born over 100 years ago. The idea that a few of us have the answers and if we can disseminate those answers and get everybody to either comply or produce results as efficiently as possible, we win. The, the challenge with that is that, you know, look at this moment in time that we're talking in. Uh, this is a time where the world arguably is changing faster than we know how to adapt to that change. And so the idea that a few of us have the answers um, is a little outdated. And so our passionate exchange is unlocking potential at scale. And it's often by starting by saying, hey, how do we design the questions mm -hmm. that we can invite as many people into as possible? Um, a year so ago, we didn't, we didn't have the right questions, I mean, <laughs> right? It's like- The we, questions we, changed in the last yeah. year. And you know what? That is a beautiful question. What are the questions we should ask now? Because often the ones we're tempted to ask first when we go into these fear-based uh, paradigms and moments of challenge might not actually be the ideal question, so. So is your sort of this knowledge pyramid, usually the old management way is this way, right? Mm -hmm. With the manager, the, the big wigs at the top, you turn it upside down in the exchange 
And it's yeah. kind of like a groundswell from the bottom up, everybody together. Yeah, it's a good question. The way that we think of it is it's not, it's certainly not top down, but it's also not bottom up. It's okay. about the whole system all at once. It's about understanding that everybody's unique perspective. Let me give you a real example. So just oh, a great. week ago, uh, we were leading a sales conference for an organization that their leadership is really progressive in our opinion and in, in how they invite voices into critical conversations. Of course, we're doing this online. It's a three-day sales conference. And here's an example. Instead of spending the time doing what many organizations might do, which would be, hey, let's find our top salespeople, have them tell everyone what they're doing and disseminate that knowledge and then go from there, maybe do some recognition. There was some of that. But one of the things they did uh, on the first day is we dropped everyone in the sales organization into small groups. And we had everybody share a story in response to the question, what have you learned about adapting to change in the last 12 months? So instead of the executives or the sales leader standing up saying, here's what you all need to know about dealing with change, why don't we actually ask those who are in the field that are facing it and who are talking to the customers? And it was amazing. We call that crowdsourcing. It's not complicated. But what's amazing is in those small groups, they shared stories of when they've navigated change at its best. And they shared stories of their best uh, experiences of serving their customers, even in the middle of this COVID situation. And then they voted up their favorite stories. And literally in real time, they crowdsourced the panel using their collective intelligence versus the leader, the CEO, predetermining who should be saying what. And that's a, that was on the first day. And then later on in the event, you know, they had conversations about the future they wanted to create together. What were the common threads? What were the um, things that got voted up? Yeah, well, I, I won't recall all the specific stories, but the qualities from within those stories of when they were at their best uh, and when they navigated change were, uh, certainly what rose up was a humility. A humility mm -hmm. and a recognition that, that they as a sales organization, and this came up again and again and again, uh, that they needed to be willing to let go of how things used to be. And, and then from that humility to invite a, a real, almost childlike curiosity and imagination around how are we gonna find a way to do things? Almost every one of their stories, there was a, a, a sprinkle of humility, a sprinkle of imagination and compassion. Compassion for their customers and compassion mm -hmm. for themselves. It's interesting that came up as well. Lee is big on empathy. Big, mm. big, big on empathy. And, and bigger on curiosity. Yeah, those, those two things. Yeah, absolutely. And of course, we're both from the Midwest. I mean, you're in Hudson, Ohio, up by Cleveland. Of course, yeah. I'm, I'm in Columbus. And of course, I met Audrey down in Athens, Ohio. I mean, I won't say how many years ago that was. But, <laughs> <laughs> you know, so we're from the Midwest, right? So it's like, you know, we, yeah. have, to, we have to be, you know, humility is, is what we do. Mm, you know, it's, DNA, like, it's expected yeah. of us it, culturally, I believe. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think, I think that, you know, our, our work is based on the idea that if we can invite curiosity at scale, right, which only happens when those who are leading realize that their greatest power might not come in, I know how to solve this complex challenge right now, but it, it's actually, I'm going to bring together as many voices as possible. We want to change the conversations, change who's in them, right? And we want to ask the kinds of questions that really matter most right now. Even this conversation right now, you know, mm -hmm. you asked what were the themes that emerged? And you notice the themes weren't that, hey, we figured out immediately how to innovate or what to do or how to reimagine our processes. All the themes were in response to a question, who do we need to be in a moment like this? Which is a great example of the kind of question that we're usually impatient to ask when the sky is falling. Um, but it oftentimes might be one of the first. I wanted to ask, 
Oh, I was going to say, it's unless you're a lawyer and you're trained in depositions and stuff like that, the art of questions and engineering conversations are two of your big jams that you love. Yeah. How do I learn how to do that to get people to move to that place where they open up? Not without giving it all away because we want people to go to exchangeapproach.com. And yeah. <laughs> well, well, you and Lee are doing it right now. I mean, at, at your very core, you're curious. You're mm-hmm. authentically curious. And I think that's at the root. Um, um, but beyond that, I think it starts with understanding what's possible and how important our questions are. You know, we at Exchange believe that questions, Audrey, I can see you're wearing glasses, so are you, Lee? I've got contact lenses on. Mm-hmm. A question changes the future before the answer arrives. That's how important they are. So a question is like a lens that we put in front of our eyes. Like even before we open our eyes, that lens is going to change literally what I see and how I see the world. And so it starts with a recognition of how important our questions are. And then from there, it, 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 it's about what are the types of questions that bring out our best. I know you can see behind me these sunflowers. Mm-hmm. So there's a, there's a principle in nature. It's called the heliotropic effect. So everything uh, in nature grows towards the sun, right? In life, we grow towards that which gives us life. What are the questions, even in moments of challenge, it's not about avoiding problems, but in any moment, what are the questions that bring us alive? that help us to learn, that help us to learn from each other, that help us to figure out how we're going to navigate through these changes. So we've got six different foundational types of questions, but it all starts with an authentic curiosity that comes from that place of humility. And, you know, humility and strength are two sides of the same coin. Uh, It's not about dismissing the knowledge that the managers Mm, and leaders have. It's about realizing we need to add to that a curiosity to unpack the lessons we can get from everyone we can get into the conversations right now. I'm curious about the six foundational types of questions you just mentioned. Can, can you shed some light on that? Sure. Well, let's go back to that same conference we just led last week. I'll tell you on the first day, the first question we presented to that sales organization, and this is very common, this is the starting question, is why is it important that we are here this week? Why is it important that we're here? See, here, here's what's interesting about that question. It can be very easy for a leader or manager to think, well, I know why it's important. <laughs> the sky's falling. We've got to solve problems. So they should know themselves. So we're not even going to ask. Or maybe I'll tell them why. But the interesting thing is, especially if you look at generational changes in the workforce and you know, the value structures and how they've evolved, um, it's one thing to tell people why being here is important. It's another to ask them that question, give them a chance to reflect on it, drop them into small groups, let them share the answers with each other, pull them out of those small groups, Let a few volunteers share in front of the whole group. And then all of a sudden, they've connected to a sense of purpose from within, from hearing how each other answers that question in unique, different, and inspiring ways. And then they've declared it in front of the whole room. That's a very common way that we'll start any gathering is, why is it important that we're choosing to be here right now, today, this week? We call that a purpose question. It might be embarrassingly obvious why that's a significant question to ask, but it it elevates the meaning of every conversation after that because that wisdom arose from within versus mm-hmm. someone else, uh, um, you know, suggesting what it needs to be. That's the one type of question. I gave you another example earlier of uh, crowdsourcing by looking back. How do we look back on our past? You know, look at this moment in time right now. We could look over the last 12 months and ask, when have we been at our best? What could we learn from dealing with change? <clears throat> what are the moments we're proud of? Um, you know, we, we find what we search for. And if we could, at, at a minimum, learn from what we've navigated through, we can you know, reinvest that into our next conversations. I'll give you two more quick examples. Okay. Um, we're in a time of change. Everyone's talking about how do we pivot, innovate, reinvent, right? 
But in moments like that, everybody can get really scared because mm-hmm. the foundation of what they were comfortable with and what gave them certainty is falling out beneath them, right? Yeah. So how about a question along the lines of no matter how we change or evolve, what is it that got us to where we're at that we want to stay true to? What, is, what are the qualities of how we've shown up as a team or who we are as an organization that we want to protect, nurture, or preserve? That can give everybody a sense of grounded certainty that we're going to honor what's gotten us here while we ask, what is the world calling for us to reimagine looking ahead? Which is another type of question. So those are just a few, uh, few examples. Interesting that examples. Helps. Well, Lee made it perfectly clear that you are much better looking and younger than us. Um, so I, I will say, I, I got a great <laughs> camera. I got I a great camera. Love We're on camera now. What is so. your, uh, <laughs> I heard you say that value structure has evolved. Um, in what ways, say, in the last you know decade of your work, have you seen it evolve? Yeah, you know, I uh, the very first training class we ever ran here at Exchange, we for three years we did them in person, twice a year. Now we're doing them like every two months online and, and we're getting better ratings online, which is its own wild thing. It's, it's, it's so awesome. Yeah. Um, the very first class we ran, we had, a, a, I say young man, I'm sure he was my age, uh, from, uh, who worked at Google. I think he worked at YouTube. And um, we actually begin, we, when we train, we don't train by talking about our work. We actually, we do it the whole time. It's 80% experience. It's exactly what we're teaching everyone to go do in their organizations or their clients. So the first question we asked everybody was, why is it important that we're here <laughs> to discover and learn a new approach to unlocking wisdom? And he stood up representing one of the groups. We did an activity where they, they created a shared purpose in like 15 minutes and then they presented it to the room. And he stood up and he said, you know, I believe the reason that we're here is because he says, I grew up in this generation where where information has been democratized. And, mm. he, and, he, and he, you know, spoke for, so to speak, his generation. And he said, you know, the idea of working in an organization where we're not a part of the most important conversations is just foreign to us. Because we're in this age of transparency. We're in this age where we all have a voice. And so it's really hard for us to consider tolerating being in a workplace where our voices don't get invited in when we have uh, perspectives or strengths to contribute to those important conversations. And that's I, why managing and leading the old way might be damaging now. That's exactly because everyone's used to back having to a where voice. we started. It's like, it's like whether it be, it's like, you know, what you want for dinner, what do you think about the, the, the events of the day, you know, what you, you know, anything, everyone's got an opinion. Everyone's used to sharing the opinion and, and it's even more true the younger you go. So, yeah. And consider this. Consider that there, this is true for me. I don't know if it's true for the two of you, but there's never been a time in my professional life this last year, and our company grew, we had a great year, but still I experienced more stress and more self-doubt than I've ever experienced. Mm. You and everybody else. Yeah. Yeah, and I think it's because what happens in moments like this is the demands that we're dealing with exceed the feeling that we actually have the resources to meet those demands. And when that happens, we go into cycles of reactivity. And so the question at hand here is, how do we turn that around within ourselves? And then, but also in our work, how do we turn it around at scale? And what we've discovered is the fastest, most natural, most effective way to turn around a downward spiral of scale where culturally, it's not just that we're dysfunctional, but even worse, we're almost living in a place of shared victimhood. Nothing will bring us down faster. How do we transform that fast and at scale? It's bringing everyone into a room and presenting questions where by presenting the right questions in the right way, 
first of all, everybody pauses to reflect. You, know, you push mm-hmm. pause on a machine, my mentor Mo McKenna said to me, it stops working. When we push pause on a human being, everything important starts working. And so if we want to turn around these cycles of reactivity and these and just getting dwelling in stress and self-doubt in our organizations, it starts with questions, a chance to reflect on those, and then the discovery that we have a lot of the answers within. And it takes some humility for a manager to let that happen. There's risk to invite all those voices into those conversations. Mm-hmm. So this, let me get to my favorite part of the show, which is <laughs> let's go off on a tangent. <laughs> oh, I was, I was hoping we'd get here. So what if your organization, your team is, has divisions, they're divided? Let's let's say uh, like the U.S. government, for example, you know, or or, or, or <laughs> like solve it all. <laughs> you've got you you have like I'm you know I'm on team this or team that, you know. Yeah. And it's like, what can we do to change that? Because it's like mm-hmm. you know, I'm looking at what's going on in the United States today. Whatever it gives me anxiety, and you know I, I've also coached some sales teams or whatever where that's happened, and you know, and it's. You know, it's it's very anxious. So it's like I, I want to know if you're if you're a manager and you're in a situation like that, or you come upon a situation like that, probably because the old manager is no no longer there and you're brought in for a reason. Yeah. What do you do? Well, this is the answer nobody wants to hear. Oh, um, and I'll I'll reveal it with a story. When I when I was was brought in to Vitamix as an executive, I was introduced to a number of these large group methodologies, appreciative inquiry being one of them, and. And what I realized really quickly is, okay, I don't have the answers. And we had a lot of division. Frankly, I think division actually becomes a default. Uh, It becomes a norm, especially in times of fear and change uh, because we get protectionist and even neurologically, uh, division arises very naturally. And so the first thing we did is we brought salespeople in from around the world. And then we brought folks in from operations, from accounting, from the assembly line. And we sat them at the tables together and we had them knee to knee, eye to eye. And we just had them interview each other. It's very difficult. So this, this is the heart. It takes a lot of courage to do this, but it's very difficult for two human beings to, to sit there eye to eye and to interview each other. These are called paired interviews. And for 10 minutes each to be deeply seen and heard and to not in some ways fall in love a little bit with that other person to see some part of myself in them or to feel a sense of compassion or humanity through a process like that. So the short answer is the heavy lifting of, um, remember whole, to be whole is to be healthy, right? And so how do we create conditions for wholeness in the workplace? Well, it's, 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 it's actually simple. It's those that don't talk, we gotta get them talking and mm-hmm. give them some quality questions so that they can learn from each other and they can appreciate each other. And I've rarely seen a situation. We had one company, there were two merging companies. Talk about division. Oh yeah. I mean, at the start of the meeting, they were, they were still using two different company names. Mm-hmm. So we put them in these interviews and we give them three questions. Number one, hey, when, it, when have you or your organization been at its best so that we could learn from each other? Number two, no matter how all this looks in the future, what are the strengths from your organization that you hope that we bring into this newly formed organization? And number three, what are your highest wishes for what happens as we come together. And I'll always remember doing this. There's two Canadian companies. And we come out of that little 30 minute exercise. <clears throat> and this one gentleman looks across the room to another woman. I said, who wants to share? What did you notice from that? And he said, when I came into this room, he said, I literally thought of her as like my enemy. 
We're fighting for resources. We're fighting for our jobs. And he said, after 30 minutes of listening to each other, I realized that, that behind our skepticism was really an unexpressed hope, that we really both wanted the same thing. We just didn't realize it because we haven't had the chance to really get to know each other. So that's one way to do it. <laughs> are there some topics that are taboo, you know, when, when you're trying to accomplish something like that? That's a good question. You know, we're, we're inspired deeply by uh, approaches like design thinking where, you know, the, the starting question is so important and appreciative inquiry where it's about questions that unlock strengths. What we found is important is that the first questions we ask are fateful. And it's very tempting to allow conversations to be guided by what's wrong, what's missing, or what's broken. Mm -hmm. But here's the problem yeah. with that. The problem with that is unconsciously at a minimum, that'll send us into a downward spiral. Neurologically, that'll send us into furthering our perspective that we don't have the resources to deal with these problems. We may get really smart on how we got here, whose fault it was or how bad it is. But what we've discovered is that the starting questions are very important. And it's really important to make sure that our conversations start, let's say your sales organization, we got a big problem, we're losing our customers. Well, we could have a whole meeting that starts with, why are we losing our customers, right? But what we would encourage us to do is stop and ask, well, what is it that we ultimately want? And make sure that that becomes our starting question, right? There was an airline years ago, this exact method. They brought in a team of consultants. The consultant said, what do you want to fix? And they said, we want to fix our lost baggage problem. And they got a little training on the importance of question design. And the airline said, oh, we realize we don't want to come together for two days and ask, how do we fix our lost baggage problem? They asked a different question. Because oftentimes the opposite of trying to fix a problem is we don't realize all we're doing is getting back to neutral. It doesn't necessarily bring us to excellence. So this Shovel airline, right. yeah, the airline asked a different question. They said, how do we create an exceptional arrival experience? Mm -hmm. ah. And they ended up not only solving the lost baggage problems, but they eclipsed and transcended those problems in one industry awards. So the, you asked what's taboo, and I don't know if I'd consider it taboo, but in our world, you know, we're often brought into really high stakes situations and we're teaching coaches how to go into very tense situations. But even that first question is faithful. We want to make sure that every convening intervention change effort always starts with a conversation that's pulling us aspirationally towards the future, not dwelling in what we're trying to get away from. That makes sense. You know what I love about this is the negative, I've, Lee has heard me use these terms before, the, this does not allow the negative Nellies or the Eeyores it, that are within that organization to linger and maintain their negative wiring. They've got it almost like the exponential leadership sweeps them up. It sounds wonderful. I mean, it sounds like a great method to not allow those people to stay in that space. It, it does. And to be clear, I want to make sure I'm very clear. We're not advocating that we should be ignoring our problems. That, that's not the idea. But realize that something's not working. You know, a beautiful time to, to bring in uh, that situation is when we're looking ahead to the future. What would you like to be celebrating six months from now? What would success look like? What is it we ultimately want? What do we mm -hmm. want our customers saying about us? Right? Who do we need to be to create those kinds of solutions? Okay, so the, the, the pressing question here, <laughs> I think that Epsilon needs to be asked, what do you do with team members then that don't get on board that will continue focusing on the negative, continue focusing on, you know, division and uh, all or nothing thinking and everything like that. And they, you know, you've done your best to try to get by and they just, for some reason, don't come along. 
Yeah. Well, you, you got to push a button and drop them into a tank of sharks with laser beams. I love that show. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <clears throat> um, well, first of all, yeah. yeah for, first of all, let's just acknowledge that you know we're having a conversation at a time that again is a moment where the level of stress and the level of self doubt that we're all living with is it's levels that none of us have ever experienced. And so I think, kidding aside, um, I think it should be expected that no matter what conversation we're trying to bring people into, this is going to be a moment where what people need is compassion. They really need that compassion. They really, uh, they really need to feel um, dignity from those who are leading them and how they are respected. People are struggling at home. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're trying to school there. It's so easy for some of us. I get to come here and go on these Zooms and facilitate things all day. And I try and remind myself that um, I've got it really good. And there's a lot of people that we might be leading and managing and, and they might be mm-hmm. navigating challenges that we're not aware of. So a long answer to say a compassionate heart is really important right now. And that's an important starting point. And then from there, maybe... Uh, that can open up and create an opening for energy to shift. But it, all, it has to start within ourselves. Yeah. We got about 30 seconds left. Exchangeapproach.com. You're John, J-O-N underscore Berghoff on your Twitter, right? And you've got a leadership playbook free on your website, right? You want to tell us about that? Yeah. And I don't even know if you can find it on the website. So, so you just click at the top and I was going to register and download it. And read oh, okay, cool. All right, good. It's download ex- now. It's, it's in on the, the ex- red banner. Yep. Oh, they, then our team just updated oh. that. Exchangeapproach.com forward slash playbook, forward slash playbook. And uh, go check it out. And if anyone ever wants to talk with anyone on our team about bringing this work into their organizations or coming through our trainings, um, we'd be delighted to connect with anybody who's listening. Thank you, Audrey and Lee, for this time today. Thank, thanks, John. Thank you for joining us. It's, it's great. It's, it's always great to talk to a neighbor. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please rate and recommend on iTunes, Overcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also get more great information at salesfuel.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.